This is the Front Page Podcast from the Red and Black. I'm Abby Clark, and this week we will be talking with Emmy Peach and Ashton Cooper to discuss World Autism Acceptance Month, which is celebrated throughout April. This month aims to bring awareness and acceptance to neurodivergent individuals. Support for this podcast is provided by the Cox Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership. For more information, visit grady.uga.edu slash coxinstitute. Hello, Emmy and Ashton. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing great. Doing well. All right. Looking forward to talking to you guys about this. Um, I just wanted to start off with maybe asking you guys if you could tell us both about your background and family history with autism. Um, so my brother was diagnosed when he was five and I was eight at the time. And so that was pretty much it for most of my life. It's just my brother had autism. And then um, the over the summer, my mom sat me down and she told me that she actually has autism and she's known for a couple of years. Um, and that was kind of when I decided like maybe actually I have it because my mom and I are very similar and she showed me a lot of resources that really resonated with me like in the fact that I identified um, and just related to these women who have autism. And so um Yeah, that was like pretty much my family history with it. So I was very young when I got diagnosed and, you know, a a two-year-old's not going to know anything about it. So um, my parents, I I mean, I sort of always knew I was a little bit different and that in some areas I was really behind and in some areas I'd be considered really um, a a good bit ahead. But uh, I I really didn't even put much thought into it until I was probably six or seven and um, I think my mom bought me a book or something like that um, for it, and that's when I started kind of understanding and um, realized, like, okay, yeah, this is I, I am a little different in some ways, um, and I I just managed, I guess, all the way up until that point to uh, not really, I didn't really have like a name for it or anything like that. I just sort of knew that I was different, and I was getting a lot of support, and I was in uh, special education classes. Um, what were some of those resources that kind of helped you with your diagnosis, and what was it like when you were first diagnosed? For me, uh, it was, I know it was a lot easier because I was a boy uh, getting diagnosed, uh, since it's uh, very underdiagnosed in girls, and uh, the, the I, I went through the school system to get it done. My parents just sort of noticed that I had some, um, some developmental issues, and I believe they went to the, um, the Board of Education and uh, got the the school um, clinical uh, psychologist to uh, diagnose me and so most of the resources I actually went through uh, were completely uh, public and I uh, was in the uh, Georgia Babies Can't Wait program growing up. To echo Ashton, I for sure felt like I was very different growing up but I thought it was just kind of normal like oh like I, c- I could tell that I thought differently than other people like I knew that and I knew that um, I had different rationales for doing things and it was just I was aware of that but it never really came to me like it never it never dawned on me that I may have like a disorder which is why I'm different um, I had a conversation with my brother my younger brother who was diagnosed when he was five and I asked him I was like why did you never 
you know, research autism and want to understand it. Because after I was diagnosed, I pretty much sat him down and explained to him a bunch of different things about autism that he had never known. And I was like, why didn't you ever want to learn about this yourself? Because obviously I've had it for a few months and you've had it for um, 11 years at this point. He explained to me that it was just something that he knew he lived with. And it was something that he knew he had like these traits, but he never wanted to think about it because he knew that it was negative and thinking about it would probably make him sad. Um, thinking about the fact that he might have autism and autism is not a positively looked at thing in this in society. And so it was just something that he dealt with pretty much, just another thing that came at him. And to people who think that way um, about autism, about their diagnosis, about any diagnosis, I would l- encourage you just to think about the positives about autism or ADHD or bipolar, depression, whatever it may be. I know that might be hard depending on the disorder, but there are some good aspects of every disorder. With autism, um, I know that people with autism experience emotions at a higher intensity than any other, really most other people. So when I'm happy, I'm so happy. Like I'm so, I'm ecstatic. And that's an amazing thing. Like not a lot of people may feel this like, extreme emotion that I feel and I think that's a blessing I'm also just very empathetic and intuitive and um, I have there's so many good aspects Um, and I encourage you whatever disorder you may have you know look into it and realize that there are some really great things I spent the first 19 years of my life not knowing that I had something that distinguished me that made me different in the way I like thought and the way that I perceived the world and um, that was different from other people and so when my mom told me and my sister that she has autism she explained to us this like this list that was pretty much just an unofficial list for autism traits in females and it's unofficial because there's not a lot of information out there that talks about specific like concrete evidence as to this is presented in girls who have autism so it had to be an unofficial list that a woman who has autism and who talks to a lot of autistic girls that she created and it's not even like official Um, so it was a little bit hard to just uh, navigate the world of autism being a girl because all the resources that I have are just blog posts of women who have autism there is not a lot of information that says like um, like there's just not a lot of information about girls with autism and it's a new coming um, research topic I believe uh, because more girls are getting diagnosed and more information is being put out there and so it was it was a little bit different uh, just the resources I had to look at a lot of just concrete evidence and when I got diagnosed I was so excited like I was I was beyond happy. I was like, wow, like, this is so cool. This is why I think this way. This is why, like, I talk this way. Um, And it just made sense to me um, when my mom was explaining to me all the traits that girls can have. And I was so excited. And so I was like, mom, I really want to go to a clinical psychologist. She was like, let's do it. So I went. She diagnosed me with ADHD and autism. I was so happy for about a month or two and then I became really sad because I realized that a lot of the things that I struggled with life was specifically because of autism or ADHD and that just made it really hard for me that other people who struggle with things like don't have to struggle with specifically what I struggle with just because my brain was just developed differently 
And now I can say that I'm happy about having autism because I would not be who I am without it. If I didn't have autism, I would be, I probably wouldn't have the same friends. I probably wouldn't have had the same life. I wouldn't have thought the same ways and t said the same things. And so I'm very thankful of just, you know, who I am regardless of disorders. Yeah. Um, this kind of, you guys kind of touched on this in your answers to that previous question, but kind of in the last 50 years, research in autism spectrum disorder has grown, but there is still quite a disparity in female autism research. And what factors do you think that like they need to be focused on to raise awareness of that? Um, I personally think that clinical awareness is a big, a big thing because some clinical psychologists don't really believe that girls can have autism or girls have it at higher like the rates that they do and so specific like characteristics of someone with autism they may d um, dismiss because they don't see that as like the normal way of someone presenting autism but in reality it's just the way a girl may present autism um, so I think clinical awareness is a huge thing and then also just awareness in general because a lot of people could easily know if they have autism. If somebody just sat them down and was like, here are some characteristics, here's some things that a lot of autistic girls do, um, like the way they behave. And so if they were just like explained it, they would be like, oh, I have autism. But the fact that not a lot of people know about, you know, what, what does autism look like in girls? That's not a normal question people ask and not something that people know a lot about. When autism was first discovered in like the 1940s, I think it was, um, they mainly just like saw it in boys and it was kind of just it was mainly just boys who were like distant and who did not want to socialize and it was just kind of pretty much just like awkward it was more more or less as how you probably describe these boys who were being like researched and as it came along it became known as like autism rather than like previous names and so a lot of it they just saw like only in boys because and they started to tr keep track of all these traits of like okay maybe they rock they flap or like they flap their hands um maybe they don't have eye they don't keep eye contact they're not very good with social communication uh maybe they like to be isolated and they like to play alone uh different things that they just kind of re saw in these boys and you know they started to have these lists of like this is what autism looks like in someone and you know maybe you have like five of these traits maybe you have 12 of these traits you know it just depends you know on how it is and then in probably the past 20 years a little bit like 25 years maybe they started to realize that there were no girls involved in these studies this was just something that girls just were not involved um and at this time girls did have autism but it was super like low rates like super um not nearly as much as boys and so um after they started doing research on girls they started to realize that actually girls show it differently and they started to do it more and more and then the past 10 years um was when it was kind of the emergence of like autism awareness just literally like pretty much like exploded um women came out with blogs and books and there's so many books on autism and girls like so many and so this is kind of the reason why it's not really known much is known in girls is because it's so recent within like the past like 20 20 or 25 years is when they really started to research in girls in the past 10 years is when more information has come out and so that's the reason why it was hard for me specifically to find a lot of information that was concrete and factual rather than just someone explaining something on a blog post which was very helpful because it helped me understand and relate to someone but it might not be factual so I would say definitely clinical awareness and just awareness in general.
Ashton, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I agree. I, I think back about, you know, autism hasn't really been very widely diagnosed for very long. I mean, maybe 40 years or so. And I think, you know, I've, I've been alive and, <clears throat> and diagnosed for half that time. So, and definitely when you have uh, the, the research and, and literature focusing on uh, how it presents itself in boys, uh, there really is a, a sort of bias with that comes with that. So, you know, there are some symptoms of autism that um, boys and girls have that um, people really just don't know about either. So, um, like Amy was saying, you know, just general awareness about those things and then awareness about um, some of the things that are usually more specific to girls, I think, could go a long way. There's clearly a stigma regarding, like, any sort of disability that has been present in our society for decades. So what do you think that we as a society can help to continue and embrace disabilities of all kind, but most specifically autism? I would say probably the media is a really good way to increase awareness because really everybody um, or most everybody, you know, is involved with media in some aspect. And so there's a lot of new upcoming like TikTokers or Instagrammers or whoever who are now embracing their disorder, whether it's schizophrenia, bipolar, ADHD, or autism. They're now like embracing it and explaining to people, this is like what you know about this disorder may be somewhat accurate, but there's so much more to it. Let me explain and let me just like make this video for you to understand. And um, so it's becoming like more like prevalent in the media, having like people embrace this. So I definitely think that the media can be a big like, I guess, catapult for awareness? I feel like that's a tough question because, you know, different people have um, different answers to that. I think one big thing is having more autistic people be involved in um, in the awareness because I think back about growing up and, and everything I'd heard about autism came from um, people, you know, you think about talk show hosts and, you know, they're not going to know much about it because they just, they get a little script, you know, they get for their show. Um, and uh, I go back and watch old interviews and stuff, and, and I can see it clear as day. But um, I, I think that having more autistic people will give their experiences and show that I mean, it truly is a spectrum and um, it comes in all different uh, forms. I think that's really important in um, uh, really putting – it kind of puts a name to, the, to uh, autism, too. You kind of get to see – um, what it's like from those people on on how to, how living with autism is. Could you define like masking and give some examples of how someone may mask when in conversation and like how difficult that might be for people on the spectrum to mask? So the like textbook definition of masking would be hiding our autistic traits and artificially performing socially acceptable behavior to fit in with society. But that is you know very wide and it's just. I feel like it might be a little bit confusing for other people. Um, in general, like everybody masks, you know, when you are sad, but you're in a social situation, people expect you to be happy. You know, I feel like a lot of people can understand like what that feels like. You, you're like, okay, I have to just act. I just have to act for this amount of, amount of time. that when I get home, I can just let all my emotions out. Um, and so it's just kind of, it's something that we all deal with. Um, the wh- the reason why masking is such a big topic for autistic people is specifically because autistic people just do it constantly, um, whether it's conscious or unconscious, like we're always doing it. And so it's just kind of like an example of it would be when I was younger, 
my parents told me that making eye contact was a huge like important thing like you have to look at the person when you're saying sorry you have to look at the person when you're asking them a question stuff like that and so as I got older I started okay like, I'm gonna make eye contact I'm gonna make eye contact and I would um, and I didn't realize until like probably within the past six months that the whole time every time I was giving eye contact I was literally just looking at their nose or mouth I was never looking at their eyes um, and so I was masking, I was trying to do something that I thought I was supposed to do, but I was kind of almost like overcompensating and just looking at their mouth or eyes. I was trying to fit into the world and I wasn't quite doing what I felt comfortable doing. Yeah, th- a thing with Amy said about masking and uh, especially eye contact and I almost feel like I have, and I don't like to use the word lightly, but I almost feel like th- I have a little bit of trauma associated with that just with um, you know, I, I think back when I was little about, you know, some of the just rude responses I would get when I wouldn't make eye contact. And even to this day, you know, sometimes when I'm in conversation and I'm uh, trying to make eye contact with people, like I'm, I like think back to those experiences when, you know, I was like six and seven years old. But um, yeah, I've, I feel like I've almost masked so much over the years that I almost begin to question like, almost almost who I am or, or really how I act like is this really me um, or am I just masking or has you know masking and you know uh, I guess society standards has that changed who I am so I don't know it's a very um, I, I can definitely see how it's a um, a big issue for um, all people with autism because uh, I, I definitely you know as an autistic person I, I definitely have experienced that what's another example so a lot of autistic people do this thing called stimming which everybody does like everybody in the world is going to stim and that an example of that could be like moving your legs picking your like nails or something or um i'm not sure like other things like that and uh there's just it's kind of just defined as like self-soothing behaviors and it's just a normal thing that people do and autistic people like do them like a lot more and it's it's a little bit different like it looks differently for them and so example of how I stim is when I'm happy, I rub my hands together and a lot of times like when I'm with my close friends, I will freely do this. I will just rub my hands together and I'm super excited. Uh, when I'm in social settings with like people I may not know, I will start to rub my hands together when I'm happy, but then I'll realize I'm like, this is not a normal thing. I need to stop. And in that way I'm masking what I would feel comfortable doing. Uh, because I would like to fit in with these people and I would like to be able to relate with them and not have them think I'm weird for being excited and rubbing my hands together. And uh, I think that's a good example of just like hiding, almost like hiding my, into the intensity of my emotion. Um, And so, and that's like hard because you're like, oh, like I really want to be excited, but you don't want to be, you don't want to look weird, you know? Yeah, um, my stepbrother is actually highly functioning autistic, and he just kind of, like, shakes his hands, like, right in front of him, and he just gets, like, really happy about things. Um, I know he was really self-conscious about that and would mask that around other people, but when we were, like, at home having dinner, he would very very much do that. I know for me, when I stem, um, that's one of those things where, like, there's a very clear divide between kind of what I do in public and what I do in private. Like, uh, when I'm in public, I just don't, do, you know, I don't move or anything in public. Like, I'm just like a rock, you know, I'm just completely still. But, like, when I'm at home, just alone or whatever, like, I'll walk on the balls of my feet and, and um, you know, shake my hands, like like you were saying. And, uh, you know, I, I sort of do all those things. And I think kind of the hardest thing about it 
is with behaviors like that is those aren't inherently wrong behaviors they're just not seen as 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 normal so it, it makes it hard for me because it's you know it's not like I'm doing anything that's disrespectful to other people or should you know be seen that way it's it's just something that I do differently and I think having a mask for that makes it um, makes it very hard so specifically for Emmy this question um, I just wanted to ask you in your TED talk that uh, you actively spoke about your diagnosis for the first time um, could you describe what that was like um, so when I spoke in front of a crowd about my my diagnosis it was like really exciting for me because the people that were there were my family and my friends and my family knew about my diagnosis obviously but none of my friends knew so it was literally just telling them about my diagnosis without them ever knowing and it was like in front of a crowd of a few hundred people Uh, so it was it was kind of like freeing a little bit because it was like okay like this is just like I'm telling all these people, trailing strangers, my family and my friends. I was really excited to tell my friends in that way because it almost like I was explaining all of these things about me in a very formal way that they would be able to understand. Uh, I also wanted to ask like, what sparked your interest in studying uh, psychology and conducting that autism research? So I've changed my major six times. <laughs> so I was not always a psychology major but I changed my major about a week after I got my diagnosis I was like I realized I was like I have been researching autism and ADHD every single day for like four hours and like this is something I really enjoy and I always loved psychology but I was always really scared about majoring in it because I had always heard that you can never get like a job with it and so what sparked my interest in researching about autism was just I really wanted to understand myself like I it was almost like an outlet like a free outlet to be like here is an easy way to learn about who you are here's an easy way to learn about your brain and not a lot of people you know take the time to understand you know you know understand their brain and I had this uh, ability to do this because of the new diagnosis and so I was I literally just spent hours and hours a day just learning, looking at research articles, uh, reading blog posts, reading books, and yeah, it was because it was kind of just a freeing moment to be able to like just introspectively like look at myself. What organizations around UGA and Athens are available for those that want to get more involved or create awareness in support of those with autism? So I know uh, right here at UGA at the DRC, um, if you register with the DRC and and um, um, one of the things you have is autism. Every, I mean, as far as I can tell, every semester they have a um, a group that meets weekly, um, and it's it's just uh, um, at least the past two semesters it's been uh, two graduate students, um, and uh, every week we have uh, several you know um, several other autistic people come in and and share their experiences, and we all just sort of. Uh, get to hang out and, uh, you know, find people that we sort of share a a common thing with. And uh, I think it's great because, you know, a lot of times it's often hard just for anybody uh, with autism to uh, just find and connect with new people. Um, But having a a group here um, at UGA I think has been really great because it's not just, you know, finding people with sort of the structure of a group um, behind it, but also you know, people with those shared experiences. 
I don't really know if I can think of a specific like organization um, for people with autism besides like the DRC, which is the Dis- Disability Resource Center. Um, but the group that Ashton was talking about, I think is really good um, because it's a, a way that we can like connect with people who, you know, might struggle with the same things, you know, who, um, you know, you can, you you don't have to like be nervous about like not fitting in or something, you know? Um, and it's really beneficial to me because I started going to that group after, like right after I was diagnosed, right when I heard about it, I was like, I'm getting plugged into this group because I want to be able to connect with people. I want to be able to um, have like a community of people who would be able to like understand. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. It was, I think that's probably the only resource I can think of, yeah. Do you think that there are methods that UGA could improve upon um, to support people with disabilities or specifically autism? I think that the resources that UGA does have aren't really um, really marketed or, or um, you know, really shown enough. I didn't really know about this group um, until uh, last year. My mom reached out to try to see if there are any resources, um, and then I found out about the group that way and um, I know now you know they they send emails out to people that are registered uh, with the DRC that have autism so I think maybe just better recognition just overall from the university whether I mean and it can be even you know somewhat superficial just just uh, I think any kind of acknowledgement that you know we exist like we're in college we we go to school here um, anything like that I think would be uh, really helpful for people like us I don't know if there's anything specifically that UGA can approve upon that they can change because um, we have we have like the DRC that gives us accommodations we have like a group which I feel like maybe the group can be a little bit more advertised because I'm sure that there's many more autistic individuals at UGA than who are coming to the group but that aside um, I don't know if it's specifically upon like UGA to include like to make sure that we feel accepted if that makes sense because um a lot of times like it's up to the individual's discretion if they want to tell people about their autism and chances are they're not going to tell someone about their autism because people don't want others to know about their autism um it's just there's like a stigma around just that diagnosis and so I guess it's kind of up to the person if they want to like tell people like yeah like I have autism um, maybe I can proceed have more grace when I mess up or something like that um, and if that person reacts poorly then you know they probably weren't a very good friend in the beginning but um, hopefully they will accept and you know still love you to, regardless of like you know the way your brain is and so I'm sure that there are ways that UJ can improve upon. I just can't specifically think of any um, aside from from that. And I just wanted to end this with, um, what do you hope people get out of listening to this episode today? I think that's something that anyone can take away from this episode is that obviously you can't see me and you can't see Ashton, uh, but just know that like there are people around you who have disabilities that you like have no idea about um, it can literally be any disorder any disability um, and they may not be telling you and that's just obviously their decision but there's just a lot of people around who may be struggling with things um, of that nature I guess another thing is just to be aware of the fact that 
any disorder can look differently for anyone. No matter what stereotype you've heard of, no matter what a movie may portray someone to, to be or act like, you can have so many different traits for one specific disorder. I think like what Amy was saying about, you know, there are a lot of people around you every day that you can just look at and you, you'd never know that they have, um, you know, that they're autistic or they have um, some disability. And I think that, you know, just understanding that I think goes a long way. I think another big part of it, especially with autism, is just, you know, there's, there's this really big emphasis on it being a spectrum, and that's absolutely true. Um, I know for for me, like, there are a lot of things that, that I don't really show all that much, and there are some things that, you know, I, I definitely do show, and I, I haven't really told, I haven't really just, like, openly, I guess, told people outside my family uh, that I have autism. I sort of just, you know, um, keep it to myself mostly because I don't, because I don't really see a good, like, opportunity um, to do so, but I think maybe just, you know, if, if, you don't know if someone has autism or not, you know, I think, or, or anything else, you know, be, um, be kind of, uh, I guess just be less judgmental, you know, if they have certain, do certain behaviors or act a certain way, you know, like some of the stimming and stuff like that, even if they're, even if they don't have autism, you know, um, don't, you know, it's, it's not something to really, um, be rude about. And, and for things like that, it's, it's just a difference. I mean, overall, I just hope people come away from this uh, knowing that, you know, we exist. We're, you know, I was saying, you know, we're here in college. We're, um, we're uh, members of society, and uh, we're, we're not just, um, you know, we, we sort of have, have our own agency in a way. So, um, yeah, maybe just uh, um, be a little bit more um, compassionate uh, to people, whether or not they have autism, and, and uh you know, you hear it all the time. Don't be as judgmental. Don't be as, you know, don't stereotype. And uh, I mean, that, that really does hold true. I feel like this edition may be echoing my TED Talk, but people who have autism, just it's so freeing to be able to tell people about that because it's not something that you may be holding in. People will be able to understand you more if you were to just be candid with them and say, you know, this is this is something that you literally like I I deal with every day and I'm you know maybe you're blessed to have it maybe you don't like it but um it's it really helps people understand you better and it really does create more intentional relationships with people um they'll be able to understand you better I think another big thing is you know I I do a lot of masking and it really does kind of cause a lot of anxiety and with some things I I I truly do have to work on because I, I really do think that um, some things are um, things that that I should improve upon. You know, it, improve is a subjective word there, but um, at the same time, I think people should um, understand and um, accept that um, I just, you know, I am the way I am. And also, you know, for for um, uh, you know some traits that I have, um, I, I don't really feel like I, I should have to change. Like I shouldn't be. Um, trying to you know conceal my true self to um, other people just to just to meet their you know ideals of of what they think you know how they think somebody should should act. Now that there is a yearly campaign for autism acceptance, um, have you noticed a change? And if so, like what changes have you noticed? <laughs> this month is 
World Autism Acceptance Month because it was previously known as World Autism Awareness Month, but they they recently changed it to acceptance because the awareness aspect is more of just like knowing that somebody might have it, but the acceptance aspect is more just, you know, obviously accepting. Um, So that is, you know, that's really awesome. And it's great great that they changed that last year to that because uh, it does create like, it does foster an environment of just more love rather than just, you know, just awareness. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really hope our listeners were able to learn a lot of information about autism and how autism is appearing in the UGA and Athens community. And we'll take away some tips on how to be more accepting. This has been The Front Page, a production of the Red and Black Publishing Company. Be sure to download our app and follow us on social media. We hope you join us again next week.